So we started this new series last week called Faithful, and kind of asked if how full is your faith tank, especially after the last two years, kind of difficult for some folks. Or maybe you're not a person of faith, or maybe you were and you lost it. Uh, so all of us are somewhere in that perspective, and uh, we're talking about if we lost it, how to get it back, if it's empty, how to get it more, more full or fuller. All right? So today we're going to talk about practically speaking. So I want you to think about something as we start this morning. <clears throat> talk about believing things. All right? How much better, how different would our lives be if all we had to do was believe things? For example, if I just believe eating these things here would make me healthy, I wouldn't have to eat them. I just believe they'd make me healthy or stop eating those, I'd be healthy. Or if these exercises would be good for me, I don't have to do them, I just have to believe if I did them, they would make me strong and healthy. Um, let's carry this step farther. Not only do I believe, I could believe some things wrong. This, this diet might not make me healthy, or this exercise might not help. So let's move it a step higher. I know, this, without a doubt, this is fact, this is truth, whatever. I know, for example, that spending less than I make is a good idea, financially, right? The government doesn't know that, but the rest of us know that, or hopefully you know that, right? Good idea. Or if you're in school, some of you are teachers. As a student, you know if I study, I will get better grades, and if I don't study, right? You, you know that. Um, but I don't have to study, I just know if I study. And I don't have to spend less than I make, I just know that it'll be good for me, so I'll be good financially, right? Now, of course, you're all sitting there saying, Pastor, this, that's crazy, that doesn't make any sense. So why would you and I feel that way spiritually? If I just believe it, I don't have to do it, if I just believe it, Everything's going to be good. My life's going to be good. Things are going to be better. See, the problem is you and I don't lack for information, either spiritually, or most of us anyway, spiritually, but certainly not about diet, exercise anyway. All you do is Google it. Whatever you want to find out, you can just Google it, right? Or go on, on uh, YouTube, and somebody will show you how to do something. So we don't lack for information, but having information doesn't necessarily make us different or our situation different does it? So Jesus came along, and he's addressing this problem. So Jesus doesn't say, you just need to know or believe and know. You need to do what? You need to do. You need to do. Do makes the difference. If I eat different, if I exercise, if I don't spend, if I study for a test, uh, that makes the difference, right? Not believing, not even knowing but doing. So I came across a, a cute rhyme, help us remember. It says this, when we believe but don't do, our dreams don't come true. When I believe this diet's good for me, but I don't do it, I'm not healthy. <laughs> That's my dream, right? Financially, relationally, I know these things, I have a good relationship with my spouse or with my kids, or if some of you have parents, I need to know certain things I can do. But if I don't do them, that 
I don't have a good relationship. See, we don't fail for lack of information most, most of the time. We fail for lack of doing. It's worse than that because it affects our faith. See, when I believe something, but I don't do it and it doesn't happen, if I believe believing is all I need to do, then, okay, God, I believe it and it didn't happen, it weakens our faith. And we're trying to strengthen our, our fill up our, our faith tank. Now, last week, those of you who are here, we said, well, actually, it was one thing that amazed Jesus, or two sides of one thing. What was the one thing that amazed Jesus? Read all through the Gospels, only one thing amazed Jesus. What was it? Speak up. Um, faith, amazing faith, or lack of faith. His hometown, they didn't believe in him. The only thing recorded in Scripture that amazed Jesus. Maybe there's other things, but that's all we know about. And so Jesus said, it's just not about believing. And he used the phrase we often use here. Every Sunday we use it. He says, follow me. Follow me. See, that's different than believe me, right? So Jesus says something, and I believe it. Jesus said, you need to do this or do this or not do this. But I don't do it. I just believe it. That's not following, is it? If you're going to follow me and I'm going over here, you have to go over there. <laughs> it's just simple logic, right? So Jesus said, you've got to follow me. But it's so hard, isn't it, <laughs> to follow Jesus? He asks us to do stuff that seems impossible to do sometimes. And we all have weaknesses, or we all, some of us have addictions even. And so what the church has done, unfortunately, and people like me to stand up and talk, we've dumbed it down. Well, that's, that's too hard. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to try and do that. So let's just dumb it down. And we talked about this last week. So we just dumbed it down to believe in me. So if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, and he came to earth, lived a perfect life, he suffered and died, and then rose on the third day, and is now on the right hand of the Father, and I can just pray this prayer and say, I believe that, then that's all I got to do. Easier, I don't have to change anything, don't have to change my life, I don't have to change my attitude, don't have to change my character, I don't have to change anything. I just believe everything's going to be good. Well, it doesn't make sense in the physical world, so it consequently doesn't make sense in the spiritual world. Now, we mentioned last week, God's most honored by our trusting Him, our faith in Him. And I mentioned my wife. For example, a group of us together, we're all supposed to meet at 7 o'clock, and we're there, and my wife's not there. Gets to be 20, 15 after, 20 after, and somebody starts saying, hey, you can't trust your wife. She's never on time, whatever I might say. And I say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I know my wife's character. And if there's any reason, way she could be here at 7 o'clock, she would be here at 7 o'clock. Maybe she stopped to help somebody, or maybe the car broke down. But I guarantee you, I know her character. She would be here. I trust her 100%. The question is, do we know God's character, and do we trust Him 100%? Because that's when He's honored, when we trust Him. And so we asked the question last week, what would you and I do? What would we do if we were absolutely 100% confident that God was with us? What would we do? How would we act? What would we not do? 
What would we change? We're also trying to figure out, well, what are these components, these ingredients, or one way to put it is what it fuels, excuse me, the, the development of, and I'm going to, I'm going to use this term. It, it shouldn't be necessary <laughs> to put the word active in front of faith, but that's the struggle with present Christianity. We have to, we have to add that word because we have this idea that it's just faith is just believing something. So no, it's not just believing something. It's believing something nothing an, enough to do something. Uh, sustaining faith. Faith that will get you through, we're going to use the word storms in a few minutes. So what are they? What are the s- essential ingredients, components of a, a potentially amazing faith? A faith that would make Jesus. So we're going to talk about one today. I'm going to call it application teaching. Application teaching. All right. I don't know how people that teach math and science and all those things do it. You do have labs in some of these classes and stuff that you get to actually do the things rather than just believe the things, right? And so whether you're listening to somebody like me in you know, in a, in a church or online, or you're reading a book or whatever, you, and you're, you're reading about something spiritual, um, your faith can be all intellectual until somebody gives you, use the word handles, some way to actually do what the teacher's teaching you, actually uh, apply what you've been teaching. So when that active faith intersects with God's faithfulness, is on your outline, that's when your faith grows. Okay, God said this, "Eh, it's uncomfortable, it's difficult, it's not easy, but I do it anyway. And usually there's a promise connected with it, then the promise comes true, then my faith grows, doesn't it? He said it, I believed it, I did it, it happened. The next time God says something, I'm more likely to believe it and do it, right? My faith grows grows. Now, we use different words for this. I never, God doesn't talk to me audibly. I never hear him. I've never seen him with my physical eyes, but I get promptings or nudging. I'll give you a a simple one from this week. I get this, uh, every two months, I get this prayer guide for persecuted church. And so there's a little prayer about some place in the world as persecuted Christians are, and I pray for it. Well, it comes in a big, the guide's small, but it comes in a big envelope, and there's other information in there. And like any Christian ministry, they always ask you for money, right? I was talking to somebody else after the service, and they said, you know, you, you, you're bombarded with them, right? So it makes it difficult to know which ones to support. So 90 plus percent of the time, that goes in the trash. I don't even think about it, right? I only have so much limited income, and I've designated most of it. Well, I, we do have a benevolence fund for those other things. So as soon as I threw that in the trash, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I'm sitting there right next to the trash can. And so before long, I got it out of the trash can. And then I talked to my wife about sending some money to support this ministry. That was a nudge I got. You say, 90% of the time that stuff goes in the trash, I don't think about it second time. But this time was different. It was a specific request thing that they did, they bought a, um, what do you call it, a sewing machine. They bought a sewing machine 
for a, a lady, a persecuted Christian, that her husband had died and she has children, and it would be almost impossible to support her kids otherwise. So they did that. I thought, that's, that's pretty cool. I can really get behind that. So the question is, when you get the nudge or get the prompting, do you follow it? Now, if you're like me, sometimes I do. Unfortunately, sometimes I don't. I thought this was helpful, at least to me, to call faith is like a muscle. Faith is like a muscle. I remember back about seven years ago, I had a problem with my right knee. And so I kept running. Problem was, I would favor that leg, right? Because that, that knee hurt and this one didn't. I had the opposite problem now, but that's a long story. But, so uh, I went to the doctor, and I'm sitting there on this, and my legs are out in front of the doctor. He says, take a look at this. And I said, take a look at what? And I'm right-handed or right-footed, so my stronger side is my right size normally. So my left leg was bigger than my right leg. And I thought, well, that's strange. Why? Because I was favoring that when I was using my left leg more than my right leg. It atrophied, right? So, faith is like a muscle. If we don't use it, it's going to atrophy. And the only way to grow it stronger or bigger is to use it. Now, share with you some of these nudgings <laughs> that we've had over the years. Because often it's other people, how should I put this? Sometimes, nudgings of God, the people around you, maybe even your spouse, people that know you the best, say, that's crazy. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So back in the early 80s, and we have two children, and Josh is getting ready to be the age he goes to school, and we're listening to James Dobson's program. It had somebody on there, I think it was from the Adventist community, but anyway, they were talking about homeschooling. And we didn't know anybody to homeschool. But we listened to the program, uh, we ordered the guy's book, we read the book, and all of a sudden, you know, we need to do that. You know what? Everybody we knew thought we were crazy. Our parents thought we were crazy. But we started homeschooling, and actually all four of our kids, we homeschooled from kindergarten to high school. Now, dangerous question. I think my kids turned out okay, didn't they? You're engaged to one. <laughs> In fact, I think you said once, he was the only normal homeschooler you ever met. <laughs> Nor Josh, uh, I mean, Jared, normal, I don't know, but anyway. Well, we're getting sidetracked here, sorry. Anyway, <clears throat> but this is when you and I experience God. When we get that nudge and we actually do it and it works, it turns out. Even if people think it's crazy, maybe even you think it's crazy. Our faith grows and we experience God and God is honored. honored. We said this too last week. The currency of a relationship or the foundation of relationships is trust. You know, if you meet somebody, first time, you don't really trust them. You don't know their character. You don't know if they're going to tell you the truth. But as I used my wife as an illustration earlier, if my wife says something, I trust her. I'm, I don't even question it. Now, we have different opinions about things, but... Um, And if I was to lose our trust, then it would really, our, our relationship would take a hit. The other side of this is we deprive God of, quote unquote, showing off. That's not a term, an original term with me. Because <laughs> when I trust God, especially in those crazy things or impossible things, and he comes through, 
My trust grows. So Jesus comes along, and he's got his disciples there, and he's teaching them, and he's teaching them a whole new dynamic. And we refer to it as this upside-down kingdom ethic. All right? It's like, okay, you're the master, you serve the servants. What? That's crazy. That's upside down, right? Um, talked about last week. Uh, love your enemies? That's crazy. That's upside down, right? We don't love our enemies. We hate our enemies. And so there was all these things Jesus was, was teaching. And they're just like us. That's crazy. That's upside down. I don't know if I can do that. In fact, it was so practical, if you will, it seemed impractical, right? So I'm supposed to love my enemies. I'm supposed to pray for them. If there's something I do to help them, I'm supposed to help them. That's really practical, but I don't know if I can do it. And it often seems risky. Risky, right? You know, slap me on this cheek, I'm supposed to turn the other one. Well, that's risky. They might hit that one too, right? And, but Jesus says, or God just says to us, just trust me. Just trust me. So, Jesus had this sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it's beginning in Matthew and some recorded in Luke. And he's teaching all these upside down things. And he gets to the end and as a good preacher, he has a good illustration, a good story to tell. We call it a parable. It's in the end of Matthew chapter 7. So therefore, you heard everything I've said, all these teachings. So therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine is blessed, right? All I got to do is hear them. Or oh, you've heard these words and you believe them. You're blessed. You're wise. No, what did he say? Everyone who hears these words of mine and Puts them into practice. He's like a wise man, a wise person. So I use this as illustration. He says, okay, a wise person is going to build his house on the rock. Now, construction back then was different than now. <clears throat> now we dig footers and put rebar in them and pour concrete. So we build our own rocks, right? <laughs> so we can build any place. But back then... You had to dig down to find the rocks and build your house on that. So it was time, more time-consuming, more difficult, cost more money, right? So it's faster, easier, just kind of build a house on top of the sand. But if you're wise, you're going to build it, take the time and energy and money to build it on the rock. So what's going to happen? Well, storms come. Storms always come, don't they? So he didn't say, just be convicted by my words. You know, sometimes people hear preachers like myself talk and say, that was really good, that really, I was really convicted about that. And half hour later, completely forgotten about it. Oh, church was so good today. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you didn't, make any, if you didn't do anything with it, nothing changed. Following means to change. So, the rains come. Next verse. The rains come, storms come, torrents Floodwaters rise, the winds beat against the house. It won't collapse because it's built on the bedrock. Flash flooding in, in arid places is pretty common. And so, yeah, it would rain a little bit over there, and the ground was so hard, the water would just run down and wipe houses out, wipe people out. So a wise person wouldn't build his house where the storm could do that. 
But there's an alternative, right? Everyone who hears these words, maybe even convicted by these words, think they're good, think it's a wise thing to do, but does not put them into practice. Are they wise? No, they're foolish. Because they built their house on the sand. And this is where, and if you have a crisis of faith or you're in a crisis of faith, this is what usually happens. Your faith hasn't caught up to your circumstance. So consequently, you know, you believe. So believing can actually be deceiving. Right? I believe the right things. I'm not doing them, but I believe them. I think that's enough. And then things don't turn out. And we wonder why. We're not convinced that I actually need to do it. All I just got to do is believe it. So James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, comes along and he writes a book in, our, in the New Testament. We have the book of James. Uh, most of the writings of Paul in the New Testament, like half is theology and half is practical stuff. book of James isn't that way. <laughs> James is practical all the way through. So right here in the first chapter, in verse 22, he says this. Sounds like he's quoting Jesus almost. He says, do not merely listen to the word. Bring that up, please. Do not merely listen to the word. Of Jesus, of James as he's preaching, anybody's preaching, whatever. That deceives yourself. You deceive yourself when all you have to do, think you have to do is just hear it. That doesn't do any good. In fact, it might do some harm. Do what it says. Use the illustration of muscles. And James actually gives us a pretty cool illustration. Probably all of us got up this morning and looked in the mirror. Right? I won't ask you to raise your hand. I did. <laughs> all right, my hair is a mess. So I go wash my hair. You ladies do a little bit more work usually than us guys. Um, so he says, okay, you look in the mirror, he said, hey, my face needs some work, my hair needs to be washed, whatever it might be. Uh, and then you go away and forget. Which means you didn't go wash your hair, you didn't put your makeup on or whatever you wanted to do. And so then when somebody sees you, you scare them, right? <laughs> because you didn't fix what needed to be fixed. So believing and not doing can be deceiving. Was it good enough just to look in the mirror, realize what I needed to do? No. So again, believing can be deceiving. I have another illustration. Our neighbor planted some lettuce and some spinach a month or so ago, and she had some extra, single lady. And so she brought some by yesterday, I think. It was really good. All right? Now, so a month ago, she could have said, you know, if I plant some seeds now, I truly believe that in a month from now, I'll have lettuce and spinach. But she didn't plant the seeds. Would she add lettuce and spinach to give us? Of course not. We all understand this in the physical world. Why don't we understand it in the spiritual world? So back to Jesus' story. Oh, no, let's finish up here. So then James says this, but if you look carefully into the perfect law, that's the mirror, we would say God's word, the Bible, it sets you free, and if you do what it says, okay, so I've seen it, I understand it, 
might believe it, but then I also have to do it. Don't forget it. Then God will bless you for knowing it, believing it. No, for doing it. So back to Jesus' story about the, the houses and the, and the rain. <clears throat> Though the rain comes in torment, this is the guy who built it on the rock. Winds beat against the house. It won't collapse because it was built on bed rock. Firm foundation. So storms come in life. He was able to uh, survive, prosper through it. But the flip side is everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. It was just too hard. It was too expensive. It was too difficult. It was too crazy. So I just didn't do it. So the rain comes, because the rain always comes. If you're in a storm in your life right now, you understand this. If it's not, wait a little bit, because the storm's going to come, right? That's life. Life's difficult. So the flood came, and the winds beat against the house, and it collapsed. It was utterly destroyed. And unfortunately, what you and I do when we're in this situation, when our faith doesn't hold up to the storm, we blame God. Your word said this. I didn't do it. Your word said this. I believed it. I didn't do it. It's your fault, God. Was it God's fault? No, it wasn't God's fault. So, Jesus finished speaking, and the text goes on this way. It says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, all those crazy upside-down things, the crowds were amazed, maybe confused, at the teaching. But they were amazed for what reason? Because he taught with real authority. There was something special about this teaching. This is something different about this teaching. This is something real. This was truth that would make a difference. Quite, quite unlike all the other teachers they had heard. Trust me and your faith will grow bigger. In fact, one of the reasons maybe you're losing your faith or maybe you lost your faith or people have never gained their faith is because they look at us those of us who claim to be Jesus followers, and they say, okay, most Jesus followers know what some basis of Christ, uh, non-Jesus followers, some basis of Christianity, and said, the Bible says this, but you aren't doing that. So why would I want to be a Jesus follower? If you're not? In fact, probably all of us know somebody that's maybe been a Jesus follower for a long time, it's just not a very nice person. You ever met somebody like that? Wait, wait, wait a minute. If I'm a truly Jesus follower, I'm going to be a nice person. None of us are perfect. I understand that. So, the rain fell. The flood came. The storm. The wind beat against the house and it collapsed. It was utterly destroyed. I got thinking about these places where they have hurricanes. And weather forecasters can tell, hey, tomorrow the hurricane's coming. So what do people do? They prepare. They get plywood and put it over their windows and doors so their house uh, won't be destroyed. Usually the foundation's not an issue, it's the wind. So, Jesus said, I want you to be pre prepared for the storms of life. You all know they're coming. We all had them. They're going to keep coming. 
my truth. Let you stand, not be destroyed when you go through the storm. Problem is, things Jesus said are just disturbing, aren't they? Loving my enemies, letting somebody turn the other cheek, uh, serving people, that, forgiving people. He said, forgive everybody everything. It's just disturbing, isn't it? So, came across an interesting quote. Maybe some of you have came across this in the past. Um, Lane Jones. Unapplied truth. Okay, so I know. Something I know, it's really true. Unapplied is like unapplied paint. Most of us understand that, right? It doesn't do anybody any good. Uh, we've got some um, water streaks on our, in our bathroom walls. We've been in our house, what, almost 14 years now. And my wife keeps telling me, I need to paint, I need to paint, I need to paint. Maybe she wants wood on the ceiling, but anyway... I'm busy doing other things like building ramps here at church. But anyway, um, got the paint. Is the walls in the bathroom any, look any better? No, my wife keeps telling me. <laughs> she it's not an egg. She's not an egg, but it bothers her. And I want to know things that bother her. So here's, here's the kicker, though. The rest of the quote goes this way. The value, the value of paint is what? In the application. That makes a difference, right? Pain in the can doesn't make any difference. Pain on the wall makes all the difference. So, every week we have at the end what we call next steps. What is next steps actually? What's another word for that? Application, right? So, we give you a sample of one. You can do lots of other things, but we always give you a sample one. So, here's today's. What are, what's area of your life, are you just believing but Jesus wants you to be doing? Or maybe some area in your life where you feel a nudge or a prompting. And sometimes something seems a little crazy, right? Usually something seems risky, whether it's relationally or financially or whatever it might be. But if it's God, I'm going to grow your faith. Well, the only way you're going to do it is to start doing what you heard. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. We thank you that you desire to have great faith, that you bring storms and tests in our lives to help us with that. But sometimes um, our faith diminishes rather than grows. It's not strong enough for the test. So I pray, God, you know all these folks that are here, those that are listening. You know what storms they're facing. And I pray their faith is up to the test. Grow our faith. God, wouldn't it, we'd love to have amazing faith. I just don't think most of us are willing to do what we need to do to have that kind of faith. So, help our unbelief. Help us believe. Pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower, or maybe you were and now aren't. And maybe this is the reason you didn't understand this, that it was more than just believing, it was actually doing. So maybe today is the day you want to start doing. Make that decision. God, you've spoken to us. I pray that we will 
be responsive, obedient to the nudges and not just believe. Or not even feel, just feel convicted, but actually do. We ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.